Hey everyone, Brett here. Just a quick reminder, as this show is going live, we are gonna be in Vancouver and New York City this week. Vancouver on June 24th and New York City on June 25th. Our first meetups in both cities. Vancouver's looking like it's gonna be jam-packed. Starts at 6 p.m. I'm gonna be doing a 30-minute talk at 6.15 sharp, followed by socializing, and we're gonna be hanging out into the night. That's at Nickley's Next Door. New York City on June 25th. That's a 6 p.m. start, and that is strictly a meetup. So we're gonna be hanging out. I'll be talking all you one-on-one, answering any questions you got, whatever. But again, we'll be hanging out from happy hour into the evening, and that is happening at the Art Bar in the West Village. All right, I'm gonna give more details on all this stuff at the end of the show, but just wanted to remind everyone up front, super excited to meet you guys in Vancouver and New York, and now let's get on with the show. Don't think too hard about this one. Name someone you think of as smart. Okay, you got it? Now name someone who is caring and kind. All right, what about someone who is confident and bold? Now name someone you think of as intelligent. Last one, who comes to mind when I ask you to name someone funny? I imagine most of you have people that pop into your mind for all those questions. Perhaps people you personally know or just people you know of. And I am the same. I can immediately name someone I think of as smart, caring, funny. But then last week, Nick and I were having a conversation and these questions were posed. Who do you think now would you consider wise? Like who is wise? Can you name anybody? When he asked, one person did come to mind after a few seconds of thought, but I immediately questioned it. Are they really wise? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I'm not entirely sure what wisdom really is. I think for many people, the idea of a wise person conjures up an old man with a Fu Manchu mustache sitting cross-legged on the top of a mountain, dispelling wisdom, or at least teaching us Kung Fu. If a man dwells on the past, then he robs the present. But if a man ignores the past, he may rob the future. The seeds of our destiny are nurtured by the roots of our past. Now, part of why I stumbled to think of anyone when Nick asked this question is because I feel perhaps wisdom is in the same boat as the bonobo in our world, endangered. And as I look around, I don't know who the spokesperson is. Who is out there representing for wisdom these days? I just wasn't clear on what wisdom is. You ever realize that? You've been using a word for years and yet you don't really know what it means? And that could be its literal definition or just what it means to you. I think in the case of the word wisdom, both were true for me. And so this seemingly simple question sent me on a less simple quest to answer the question, what is wisdom? And in turn, how is it doing right now in this modern world of ours? And how can we do our part to make wisdom more understood, more visible, and more practiced? Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. On this week's show, we dig into the question, what is wisdom? We bounce back from our France rejection and put out a call to all our global listeners. And we have a conversation with the creator of Philosopher's Notes, Brian Johnson. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host.
believe that nice guys finish last. That was comedian Dimitri Martin and his mom with a piece called The Wisdom Song. I thought comedians might be a good place to start in my quest for wisdom. You know, the whole wise fool thing and all. And while there is some wisdom in there, and definitely some laughs, I also think I was getting ahead of myself. If we're going to understand something, perhaps it makes sense to start with its definition. Certainly not the be-all and end-all, or even the essence often, but it gives us a point A. Those who have listened to the show know we have a place, a resource, where all of the answers exist to every question we have. Default. Do you have an answer for you? No, not you, Deep Thought. Man, he is as stubborn as Nick with that Celine song. When you want it the most. Nick, no. I'm supposed to be the one that digresses, not you guys. Now, where was I? A resource where all of the answers exist to every question we have. Ah, yes. Wikipedia! Now, on wisdom, Wikipedia states, Wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. Okay, well, that sounds solid in some ways. But of course, words have so many meanings, and so to just list a handful of them, it leaves it open to a lot of interpretation. So while this definition may end up being accurate, until we break down and understand the pieces, we're not that much closer to understanding wisdom. Now before I start digging in here, I decided to go a little bit of a different route with today's episode. Before I looked into the world of my own experiences, books, research, data, academics, I decided to take a more popular route to wisdom. I mean, after all, one of the questions I was looking to answer was, how is wisdom doing today in this modern world? And why is it that few, if any, people jumped into my mind when Nick asked me who I thought of as wise? With that in mind, I went to the internet. First stop, YouTube. I mean, surely with several billion videos on there, I would find some insight into wisdom. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Alright. YouTube. What is wisdom? Uh, oh, this guy looks like he definitely knows what wisdom is. Let's check this dude out. What is wisdom? Wisdom kya hai? Damn it! Not in English. I found it. I found what wisdom is, but I don't understand it. All right. Well, oh, experience. Something about experience. Oh, experience again. Get that? Okay. Okay. Here it comes. Ah! It's not in English again. I don't know. This guy's reading it. That guy looks like he definitely does not know what wisdom is. Oh, this kid looks like he knows what wisdom is. Let's see. What is wisdom? That kid doesn't know. Oh! Oh, here we go. Real wisdom. 
spelled R-E-E-L. Wisdom. Lessons from 40 films in seven minutes. Okay. This is good, right? Because, I mean, if wisdom's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in the movies. I'll admit, I was hopeful when I found real, R-E-E-L, wisdom. I mean, think of all the great movies made over the years by incredible artists. Creative, intelligent, connected. That said, before we get to what I found, let's go back to a word in that Wikipedia definition. Knowledge. Though often thought of as synonymous, knowledge and wisdom differ immensely. Knowledge is definitely a major part of wisdom, but wisdom has much more depth than variables. One of the key differences between wisdom and knowledge is the element of action. Knowledge is passive and internal. Wisdom is a verb as much as a noun. It lives in application, not awareness. Also, wisdom, unlike knowledge, contains insight, which may seem simple now, but as we will discover later, plays quite a key role here. But before we get to that, let's see how our real wisdom treated us. Again, that's R-E-E-L wisdom. I pressed play, and here's a portion of what I heard. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. Never give up, and good luck will find you. The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things upset you. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living, you get busy dying. Now that last one from Shawshank Redemption reminded me of a line from a Bob Dylan song. Fool's gold mouthpiece, the hollow horn, plays wasted words, proves to warn that he not busy being born, is busy dying. And at that point, I thought, of course, of music. And I'll be honest, while YouTube and the movies were kind of for kicks, I thought an investigation into music might garner some legit insights. Because it did seem like a key element of wisdom might be somehow linked to emotion and spirit. And music is a powerful delivery system when it comes to the heart and the mind. Messages just seem to arrive faster somehow through music. It's like it opens a window into us, heals and teaches. So maybe the place to best hear the wholeness of wisdom would be in song. Again, while I didn't really expect to find our answers looking at YouTube, watching movie clips, or listening to songs, I did pull a key realization from it. I realized early on that what I was digesting was just a lot of great advice. Sure, some of it might have come from wisdom, and some of it might even be considered wise, but none of it answers the question, what is wisdom? It's kind of like if someone asked you, what is fruit? And you gave them a banana, an apple, and some grapes to eat. 
Well, they end up digesting examples of fruit, but that doesn't actually tell them what fruit is. And a lot of times when people think of wisdom, they actually just think of some decent, cool, or interesting advice. And wisdom is definitely not that. So we left pop culture in the rearview mirror, at least as a research point. And as I started reading and watching material from authors and academics and letting the information marinate with my own experiences, the real definition of wisdom began to emerge. As our Wikipedia definition stated earlier, wisdom does contain knowledge and experience, but don't confuse experience with years. In his Psychology Today article, How to Think Like a Wise Person, Dr. Adam Grant cites data that shows the correlation between age and wisdom is zero. People with the highest wisdom scores are just as likely to be 25 as 75. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. As Dr. Grant goes on to say, wisdom emerges not from experience itself, but rather from reflecting thoughtfully on the lessons gained from experience. Otherwise said, it's how we process the experiences. A wise person is curious, inquisitive about what happened and why. They have a desire to understand beyond the surface. And this curiosity and critical thinking not only exists in reflection. This insight into our own thinking and experiences is one of the key elements of wisdom. As University of Toronto professor John Vervaca puts it in his What is Wisdom talk, wisdom involves a transformation of our cognition that, as he puts it, It frees us from ways in which our cognition is working against itself and frees us to improve the way our cognition can work with itself. You see, cognition is basically our capacity to learn. Using our brain, we create relevance for things. John calls this relevance realization. Relevance realization can be thought initially as just our ability to zero in on information, find patterns, and thereby learn about the world. He goes on to state, But the problem is that relevance realization process has to be self-correcting. It has to be self-transcending because the patterns we find can often prevent us from solving the problems we face. Wisdom is the ability to transcend what we have learned. To think not only of what you know, but how you know it. Is it relevant here? Why are you thinking it? To use what we know as a piece of information as opposed to the answer. That is called insight. Insight is one of the central functions of wisdom. Please listen carefully. A wise person does not see the world in black and white. They know there are infinite shades of gray. From a place of wisdom, we don't assume what we don't know. We seek to understand. Sometimes this means we challenge the status quo. We question the rules. We also look beyond ourselves, beyond our own self-interests and perspectives. Going back to Dr. Adam Grant's article, wise people resist the impulse to judge and instead operate, quote, more like detectives whose goal is to explain other people's behaviors. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Till you climb inside of his skin, walk around in it. And in this process, a wise person not only increases their empathy for the people involved, they also connect the dots, understanding how everything fits together. 
knowing each situation is unique and being willing to flex their decisions and actions accordingly. And the final component of wisdom is virtue. A wise person is able to distinctly discern between what they deem right and wrong and will make sound moral choices in accordance with those beliefs. They will look beyond just their personal desires and immediate gratification and attempt to find solutions that benefit both sides and advance everyone long-term. It's called wisdom. It comes to some suddenly. We realize the difference between what's real and deep and lasting versus the superficial payoff of the moment. Tom Harper is one of Canada's best-known spiritual authors and journalists. And for 30 years, he had a weekly opinion column on ethics and spirituality in the Toronto Star. As I was preparing this show, I came across an opinion piece he wrote on wisdom, released just the day before we decided on this topic. In it, he shares his belief that wisdom has been passed over these days in our obsession with information and social media, and it is not a value our society today seems to revere or reward in people. So, going back to how we started this episode, I think a big part of the reason I hesitated to name a wise person to Nick is because so few are shown to us these days. Those that exist are drowned out by the rest of the noise, and those high-profile people with wisdom inside of them often let their fear overpower them, and they hold it back. They silence their wisdom. And going back to Tom Harper's article, he said it this way, quote, The pursuit of wisdom has been nearly obliterated from consciousness altogether. But then reading that line in Harper's article and connecting all the dots from this episode, it struck me. This is what we've been doing all along with this show. Look back on our episodes, from listening to happiness, through empathy, caring, bias, questions, and courage, into moments, experience, values, vulnerability, and gratitude. I started this episode as an exploration into wisdom. But just like we talked about in our beginnings episode, we rarely know when things start. It turns out this episode, this exploration into wisdom, started all the way back in our first episode. And since then, 23 episodes, each one a piece of this puzzle, a page in this book called Wisdom. And since I'm back in Canada for a while, how about we just call this first batch of episodes a 2-4 of Wisdom. And next week, we'll start a new case. Same brewmasters, Nick and I, same care, same quality, but a new brew, another piece of this puzzle. Because when it's all said and done, I feel like wisdom is what we need to be cultivating as human beings. That perhaps wisdom is the active verb of being a human. And right now, it is heading for extinction. Week to week, I am not able to, nor do I necessarily want to, use this show to scream about some of the madness that is happening in our world. But you know what I'm talking about. We are all living through it. I just read this article talking about how we are in the middle of a massive extinction event. And the article ended with these words, we know for sure that life will prevail. What is at stake here is whether humanity will be able to survive. That's exactly what's at stake. And yet I am not speaking of humanity as a race. I'm speaking of humanity as a concept. After all, we are the only living species on this planet 
that can attain wisdom and use it. And yet, because it's easier or because it's not valued, we often seem more interested in ignoring it. Here we are supposedly evolved, and we seem to only want to be primitive. Primitive in our emotions, our actions, our intellect, our communication. People often say that our world is screaming for leaders. I'll suggest that what it's really starving for is wisdom. For through wisdom, everything else can get corrected, aligned. Through wisdom, we can truly find the means to improve our lives, tackle our greatest challenges, and achieve a world that is worthy of our potential. Hey, Brett. Hey, Nick. Remember that time when we heard from Jerome in Ghana? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Remember how awesome that was? I do remember how awesome it was. And as a matter of fact, just at our meetup in Toronto last week, two people came up to me to tell me how it was one of their favorite Where There's Smoke moments. Remember when we then did the same challenge for France? Well, I I don't remember, but that's only because I've gone to hypnotherapy in order to forget it because it was so (laughs) painful. (laughs) Then they totally ignored us. So <laughs> ignored us. I think it's time to try it again. I, I'm ready. I mean, I would hate to think that we would stop reaching out to the world, especially our download numbers globally have gone up 20% in the last month or so. So I would hate to think that we're not building a global community just because we were ignored by the French. Well, okay. So then if we were doing an ad like we kind of are, what should people do? Well, we want to hear from you. So if you don't live in the U.S. or Canada, if you live outside of North America, anywhere in the world, and you're listening to my voice right now, we would love you to reach out. You can email us, connect at wherethesmoke.co. You can go to our website, wherethesmoke.co, and you can leave a voicemail. And what we'd Mm -hmm. love you to share with us is just, you know, first of all, where in the world are you? And, you know, what do you love about Where There's Smoke? Or maybe how did you discover the show? That's always really interesting to us. I I just want to hear from some people out there and find out, like, who out there in the world is listening to us. Dude, we have listeners in China. You can't even get Gmail in China, okay? And you can get <laughs> is that, where is that true? I think that's true. If you're in China and that's not true, then call us. There and let you us go. Know. How are we going to know? We're not going to know whether you can get Gmail in China unless you tell us. I would love to hear from you. All right, sounds good. Is there anything else? Um, we love you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> this week's conversation is with Brian Johnson. Brian is the creator and cultivator of Philosopher's Notes whose tagline is more wisdom, less time. If you want to talk wisdom, Brian is your guy. He loves wisdom and has now dedicated his life to reading, writing, and teaching. As of today, Philosopher's Notes has distilled the wisdom from 250 of the greatest personal growth books ever written. I have been a fan since around 2008 and have always been impressed with the depth that Brian shares in these notes. They've always felt alive and active to me. After talking to him, I started to understand why that is. Listen closely, and you will hear how Brian doesn't just read a book. He experiences it. He is interested in so much more than just the knowledge. He connects the ideas with other things he's read and experienced. He asks questions and ultimately feels that the only reason we learn anything is to apply it. And all of that comes through in his notes to each book. 
As we jump into the conversation with this wise reader, as I will call him, I am asking him about the idea of learning through books or learning through experience. So, in, and you, you know, you're someone who's started a few businesses, you've sold those businesses, you've traveled the world. So you're someone, if we were going to have a conversation and say, well, you know, not that I would ask this question, but if somebody asked like, well, what's more important, book learning or experience learning? I mean, you could go talk to a book learner and go talk to an experience learner, or I could talk to Brian Johnson because you're both. You've, you know, you have, I think in many ways exemplified, you know, truly doing a deep dive into book learning, but also a deep dive into experience learning. When you think about those two ideas, uh, do you think about them in different ways? Do you see them integrating when you're reading a book? Are you then kind of going out your door that day and experiencing the world differently based on that book? H how do you see those those two different ways of that we learn uh, playing themselves out? Yeah, great question and great frame. And I appreciate your kind words in that. Um, what comes to my mind, there are several things, but primarily, or initially anyway, the, the idea of theory versus practice. So obviously I consume a ton of wisdom and I'm exclusively focused on books. As we discussed a little bit, I don't do podcasts. I don't do blog posts. I read books. This is what I do. Uh, but for me, the theory is only relevant to the extent I can apply it to my life. And I love Michael Beckwith's phrase. He says that theory is rudimentary philosophy or spirituality or optimal living. The advanced work is the practice. So for me, the only reason we do any of this is to apply it. How do we embody it? And that's, you know, my life is one big experiment. And then that's the other thing that came to mind was, was testing these ideas, literally making, making our lives a laboratory and trying it on, not trusting that because someone said something it works, but testing it obsessively and seeing, do you feel better when you exercise consistently or when you eat a certain way or when you rest a certain amount? Great. Integrate that into your life more consistently. Um, but that idea of theory, practice, and then testing, experimenting is what comes to mind. Great. And so do you, ha do you find that, I mean, it's almost a, a, a circular thing, right? Because I could read a book about something that I've never done. Maybe I read a book about, uh, you know, eating healthy or eating differently. Or maybe I just read a book about actually being more consciously aware and how I experience the world. And then I go out and I practice it or I experiment, which I love that word. And then as I read further books on the subject, now I'm, it's, it's a reciprocal thing, right? Where I'm kind yep. of applying what I read and perhaps reading things differently. And yep. you're, you're constantly reading it. And again, you're, you're on a mission to, to, you know, read and condense a thousand books. So I wouldn't, do you, how often do you revisit knowledge? I mean, do you even have time or the inkling to revisit books and revisit stuff? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my process for, for reading is, um, is pretty thorough, you know, so I go through a book and I'm not trying to speed read it. People ask me, do you speed read? I'm like, no, I just read a lot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> How do you read so much? Do you speed read? No, for me, it's, it's literally like sitting down with a brilliant human being. And I, I used to like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would literally on a Saturday night when I was taking some time off from dating, I would go to Starbucks and I would sit at a table, imagine for two and read, whether it's Nietzsche or at the times Ayn Rand or whatever, right? And just dive into it. It was as if I was having a conversation, but I'm, mm. I'm chewing up the book as I go, underlining, you know, marking it up. And I've got a very systematic way to identify what I want to come back to. And then once I've read the book, in the mornings, I typically spend my time pulling out the big ideas, is what I call those sections you underline in asterisks and mark all up, and then drop them into my PDF format and challenge myself to articulate it in a fun narrative, riff on the ideas. And now I've spent X hours reading the book and then X hours going through it, 
to pull out those ideas. And then I record the PDF and then I do a little TV episode. And by the end of that, I've got a pretty good, and now I'm doing the micro classes, I've got a pretty good relationship with that book. And then when I was in business mode and not writing philosopher's notes, I would read them every morning. Um, so that's kind of my way of revisiting a book. I've rarely read a book from page one to the end. I've done that a few times, mm-hmm. um, but I do go back to the notes often and, and reflect on the gems. And, and as you kind of alluded to, each time you come back to an idea, whether it's the exact same idea or one slightly different from what you originally experienced, you're different. A year later, you could read the exact same thing, which is what I do when I read the notes, and it hits you totally differently based on your experience and and aggregated wisdom. Right. When you had this idea initially, what, and and maybe it's changed, even if it's changed, that's that's great. What is ultimately the mission under this for you? Well, my purpose is really simple. I want to help people optimize their lives so we can make a difference in the world together. Like that's, that's why I do what I do. And then I also have fun integrating it all where I'm passionate about optimizing my life. And I had a distinction 15 years ago of how can I get paid to optimize my life and study these ideas, embody them and teach them and help people experience more happiness, more meaning, more mojo in their lives and do that coherently while I'm doing it for myself and my family. There's this, this ripple that goes out and there's this deep integration where there's very little wasted energy and effort. And it's kind of the heart of it. And then to get the, the feedback that I know you do and, and that others in this space get, it's just, it's extraordinary to be able to play a role in someone's life in, in small to significant ways. And then I also love the game of it. To me, this is, this is one big game. So how do I create systems that allow me to create at a, at a level that excites me, you know? And yeah. um, that's all one big game for me too. So figuring out what my days look like and how I do this and how I do that and what I need to say no to. And um, that full immersion in the whole process is um, something that I have a lot of fun with. And, and ultimately, I just feel blessed to do what I do. So one question I like to ask, Brian, and this is actually a question given to me by one of our listeners, and I've, I often find it, it, get, it gets really powerful answers. If you could share one piece of wisdom with our audience and you knew that they would take it to heart, what would it be? That's a good one. Well, we have the fresh, what do you want? I mean, getting clarity on that is big. And then to connect that idea and to cheat and have one and a half ideas here, I would say, what do you know? You don't need to learn another thing. But one thing that you know that if you did it consistently would have the most positive impact in your life. Again, moving from theory to practice, the thing that you just know that if you did this, your life would exponentially improve. And what's the one thing you know that if you stop doing it would have an equal effect? I come back to that every time I'm feeling myself a little off center. It's okay, what what do I need to do? What do I need to stop doing? And it's an amazing um, balancing tool. And I think that brings us back to, to trusting ourselves and to really honoring the fact that we already have all the wisdom we need. We can go reflect on other people's insights and integrate it into our own little ongoing iterative philosophy. Um, but just deepening that self-trust and self-reliance and self-expression via clarity and what we want and knowing what behaviors will get us there and then uh, willingness to test it and have fun in the process. First off, I want to give huge thanks and gratitude to Brian Johnson for taking the time to talk with me. He is in the midst of a huge push to build out wisdom for all of his members, and he made an exception in his schedule to fit in a conversation with me. 
I am not able to encourage you enough to check out Philosopher's Notes. If you are someone who wants more wisdom in your life, who wants to be able to soak in centuries of insights in a fraction of the time, Philosopher's Notes is an incredible resource. And it is not a shortcut. It really is a 360 degree look at a book. It's ideas, application, and place in the bigger landscape of all that has been written and shared over time. Go to philosophersnotes.com, browse around, listen to a few things, you will hear it for yourself. And drop Brian a note. You can message him on the site or on Twitter. He would love to hear from you and tell him Brett sent you. Thank you for finishing your first 2-4 of Where There's Smoke. I've just got a few finishing touches here and then you can go break the seal. Reminder, I will be in Vancouver and New York this week for Where There's Smoke events. This Wednesday, June 24th, I'm in Vancouver at Nickley's Next Door, an awesome place in Gastown. This is a 6 p.m. start. My 30-minute talk starts at 6.15 sharp, then a Q&A, and we're going to be hanging out until about 11 p.m. Thursday, June 25th, I'm in New York City, the West Village in Manhattan to be exact. We will be meeting at the Art Bar on 8th Avenue. Start time is 6 p.m. for happy hour, and we'll be hanging into the evening. Come mingle and network with awesome humans in New York and me. By the way, on top of these events, I will have some free time in both cities. So if you want to meet up one-on-one to share ideas, talk creativity, show me your favorite thing in the city, whatever, tweet or email me. Let's hang out. Speaking of events, big thanks to Maureen, Dulub, and Tara Hunt for organizing our first Where There's Smoke event in Toronto last week. It was amazing to get out and meet some listeners, and I will never forget my first time. Domo origato for the Twitter love this week, at Miss Rabato. You see what I did there? At Kevin Olds, Rachel Robbie, Melanie DeZool, Rob Balaam, and Lisa Wong, I will see you in New York City. We saw a drastic drop-off in iTunes reviews this week, which is understandable, a bit of a hangover from the big push. But if you dig the show and you haven't reviewed it on iTunes, please head over there and write a review. It massively boosts our visibility and is helping us find more great listeners and keep the show going. While I'm on the topic, to anyone who shared their passion for the show this week with others on social media or iTunes by email, text, or word of mouth, thank you. Gracias, Diki, merci, danke, tak, grazie, kap, kun, kap, you guys rock. Please keep spreading the word. We would love to connect with you on social media to discuss the show and hear about what you are doing. So find us there. On Twitter, I'm at Brett Gaida and Nick is at Podcast Monster. And you can join the Where There's Smoke fan page on Facebook. You can also email us, connect at wherethersmoke.co or go to our website where you can leave us a voicemail. Now, while you're at our site, check out link to the show notes, join our mailing list, or you can pull out your phone right now and text the word SMOKE to 66866. That's S-M-O-K-E to 66866, and you'll join our mailing list. Music in today's show is performed by Des McKinney, Kevin McLeod, Jazar, Broke for Free, Daddy Scramble, and Jason Shaw. Where their smoke is brewed, conditioned, dosed, infused, mashed, pasteurized, pumped, filtered, barreled, shipped, tapped, and poured by Brett Guida and Nick Jaworski for your consumption. If you want your podcast to sound awesome, contact Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you're interested in having me come to a talk, keynote, training, or coaching, send me an email at connect at wherethersmoke.co. This week's MVP is actually an MVC, a most valuable country. I don't know if I was drinking more maple syrup this week or what, but Canada is all over this episode. From Rush, to an academic, to a writer, to the whole 2-4 metaphor that came to me in the end. Take off, you old <laughs> Whatever it was, I'm not going to fight it. And next week is Canada Day, so this is like an early gift. Good on you, Canada. You are the MVC of the week, and this goes out to you. 
I have a prime minister, not a president. I speak English and French, not American, and I pronounce it about, not a boot. I can proudly sew my country's flag on my backpack. I believe in peacekeeping, not policing, diversity, not assimilation, and that the beaver is a truly proud and noble animal. The tooth is a hat, the Chesterfield is a coach, and it is pronounced said, not Zen. Zen. Canada is the second largest landmass, the first nation of hockey, and the best part of North America. My name is Joe, and I am Canadian. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.